Do I need a life coach? You're listening to episode 16 with Rhiannon Bush. Welcome to the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast. We're here to discuss the ins and outs of the life coaching industry and give you tools to use to see for yourself. I'm your host, Rhiannon Bush, mother, management consultant, and a passionate, certified life coach. Hello, my friends. How are we today? Ah, I got to be honest, I don't find much very stressful. You know, I really am quite good at monitoring my emotional momentum, as I talk a lot about, and really coming up with strategies to identify what causes me stress and then doing what I need to do to eliminate that. I don't want to feel stressed. I want to feel as though I'm productive and I'm focused and I'm living my best life. I'm very optimized. Um, and yeah, it's just been a really interesting exercise working with a building industry where they're under time crunches. Our building industry in Australia has exploded from the pandemic and It's just fascinating to me that one of my most stressful things is having to repeat myself or double check, triple check things when I have communicated things very clearly in the first place and it hasn't been listened to. Oh my goodness. I just, oh, anyone who's renoed a house or has uh, built a house, I think you'll understand what I'm saying. I don't think what I'm saying is uncommon. But I was like, no, I'm really good at communicating, going into this, so I'll be really, really great at managing this process and, you know, just making sure I have really great relationships and it's going to be really wonderful. And I was really determined from the outset to be clear and concise, put things in writing and just make sure everyone was on the same page, that there was no miscommunication, no ill feelings, everything was great um, and that I was going to really enjoy, you know, renovating my beautiful, beautiful new home. And for the most part, that's been exactly what's happening. I do have a really great team, but there are just little things that are happening and I'm just thinking, why am I having to repeat myself? Anyway, that's where we're at and it is causing me a little bit of stress. And normally I'd be like, no, I just, you know, we don't need to get emotionally caught up in this. This just is fact. Let's just talk it through black and white. This is how it needs to be. This is how it isn't right now. And being very, very pragmatic in my approach with it. But oh my goodness. (laughs) So that's where I'm at currently in my life. Just, you know, really trying to, yeah, I think more so manage myself around this and just, yeah, trying to keep my cool and just detach and be very practical, logical pragmatic and just going through the motions. But anyway, happens to everyone, I'm sure, at different stages of their lives um, and I have all the tools to handle it and it's absolutely fabulous um, but great learning lessons that I don't feel I should be passing along to people but that need it, (laughs) I think, is where I'm at. Anyway, that's a little bit maybe self-inflated but yeah, Don't offer feedback if it's not asked of you is one of my personal rules, but I'm going to go into that um, later. So this podcast, do what you love. So I was brought up to believe I could do anything, be anything, and that the world was my oyster. And I truly believed that until I tried a few things and failed over and over and over. 
For instance, I had horses in high school. I was very, very lucky. I don't know why my parents let me have them. Um, it's such a magical relationship that you have with a horse, but I wasn't very good at it. I'll be honest. I fell off a lot. I had a lot of concussions. Um, not good for my health. Um, it taught me a lot, that, that experience. And it was a beautiful thing having horses. It really, really was. But my goodness. I then remember um, going to music school after I finished my first degree and I went to JMC in Surrey Hills and was doing a lot of singing with rock bands and just, you know, it was absolutely fun, loved it, just really wanted to give it a go. And I remember at that time thinking, well, the Australian Institute of Music's down the road. I really love musical theatre. It was, oh my God, I just love it. And so I went and auditioned. And I remember the day I got my acceptance letter and it was going to be another two-year commitment of studying um, and a financial commitment that I really hadn't considered at the time for any of you who have hex debt. Oh my God, right? So, yeah, I got the acceptance letter and I remember calling my parents and just saying, what do I do? Like, what do I do? And they, being my beautiful parents, were like, well, if you don't do it now, you're always going to wonder and it's going to be a lot harder to turn around and do it down the track than it is right now. And I thought, okay. And so I made the decision and I did it. And honestly, it was the one, like the two best and hardest. And it was it was a really incredible experience. And I, the people I met in that course, I, will f- I feel like I'll be connected to forever. Um, even though we don't speak, a lot of us don't speak anymore. But they just such... The, the people in the art space are so heart-centered and so connected and it's unlike any other world I've ever been in. So anyone in the arts, a huge shout out. I just adore you as a, as a community. Just absolutely amazing. But even though I went to musical theatre school for the love of music, um, I did have the hopes of making it a career. And as it turns out, something that I really was not destined for, um, for various reasons. But I feel like through my life, I've been pretty mediocre at most things, if I'm honest. I've tried really, really hard. Um, and most of the time, that's okay. I've had a real crack. But something I didn't appreciate until very recently, maybe too recently, was the fact that not everything should be done with the aim of being good at it or being the best at it or even to become better at it. Sometimes you just need to enjoy yourself and have some fun. Do it for the love of it and not with the hopes of making it a career or some life-changing transition or a lifestyle choice, right? I've always loved to swim and be in the ocean. It's absolutely my happy place. I've tried surfing and at the time I didn't have the strength or flexibility to get up on my feet. I was living in Manly at uni at the time. Um, but I'm determined still at some stage in my life in the future, I will learn to surf. If that ever happens, I'm not going to be catching massive waves off the coast of Maui. I'm not going to be one of those women in the movie Blue Crush. I'm going to be enjoying little baby waves that are fun. I'm going to get to frolic in the ocean. Oh, and I'm not going to have one of those fancy pointy boards either. I'll be on the biggest and widest board that I can physically carry. Because surfing is something I want to learn how to do one day for fun, capital F-U-N, not with the intention or hope of becoming the next Lane Beachley, right? Everything I did as a child 
came with milestones and benchmarks. It was a great way to be raised because I had responsibilities and I had ownership and growth in every hobby or extracurricular activity that I had. And it taught me great lessons like expanding my comfort zone. I mean, I remember in high school I was playing um, school hockey, squad hockey, and then we were trying out for this other team and I was playing so much hockey. I was so physically exhausted and yet I kept going because those around me were still pushing and they were pushing harder than I was and so I did the same. I didn't know I was capable of doing that. I didn't know I was capable of being that fit until I actually had to do it. Um, and again, I wasn't playing hockey very well. I missed out on the squad, which was a, an incredible lesson and a hard lesson to learn. Um, but through expanding my comfort zone, I not only learned a lot about myself, but I also had to dig into the discomfort I was feeling to try even harder. And sometimes even just to show up, like after I hadn't made that squad, I still had to show up and to put it bluntly, I had to get over myself to actually go and do the thing. And I think for me, it built work ethic and it built character. It would have been very easy and I would have been very content coasting through um, had I not had a peer group in high school that I wanted to be on an equal footing with. You know, I never felt like I measured up and my biggest fear was that I would fall behind and not be considered one of them. So the irony being that I never felt that way anyway, right? <laughs> but competition and a deep need at that time in my life to feel accepted drove me to work harder and harder so I wouldn't be left behind. Um, and I was constantly trying to prove myself and that I was good enough and worthy to those superiors around me. The thing we don't learn in high school or any school or even in adulthood until we do some personal development is that you were born worthy. You will die worthy and there is nothing you can do or not do, good or bad, right or wrong, that will change your level of worthiness. You deserve it all. Your worthiness is up to you to believe in or not. And this is problematic when from a young age some of us are subjected to and taught to believe that we're not worthy or we are shamed and we begin to fuse our behaviours and our identity together. So taking inverted commas, I did a bad thing to inverted commas, I am a bad person, which is really not good. But again, that's going to be coming later in a different podcast. What I'm getting at is that there are some things in life where it's great to push. It's worth being stretched beyond the current confines of our thinking and our comfort zone to find deeper parts within ourselves that we didn't know were there. And so we can call upon them in future to push to the next level, to grow, to level up um, and to utilize as a resource when and if we need to. By the way, we will only do this when the outcome is important enough for us to manage that level of discomfort that comes from expansion, right? Let me repeat that because it's true and it's a big, big statement. We will only 
withstand the discomfort when the outcome is important enough to us. So we will not withstand the discomfort if what we're being uncomfortable enough for is worth what we get at the end. A very confronting example of this, ladies, is your virginity. For any woman listening (laughs) who's had their cherry popped, the only reason you withstand that discomfort is to understand how sex can be pleasurable or to have babies. Having babies is also the same thing, right? Women go back and have multiple children despite the discomfort that they feel. Why? Because they want more children. Smoking, same thing. Why smoke those first few cigarettes and cough your lungs up? You do it to discover the high that nicotine gives you when you could smoke without the coughing. Or to look cool while you're smoking or whatever reasons people that smoke start smoking. It's the same as studying. Some people love to study, but often studying is tedious, time-consuming, challenging. But without it, we fail exams, we don't get our qualification, we don't meet our end goal. Like the ultramarathon man, Dean Karnazes, he ran 50 marathons across 50 states in 50 weeks. I mean, that's insane to me. Amazing. And Joanna Norblad, she broke the world record for swimming under ice. Like, who would ever want to do that? But, you know, we live in a unique world and thank goodness we all have our different things that we're attracted to. But they definitely felt discomfort, right? You can't tell me that getting in cold water is comfortable, let alone holding your breath under cold water long enough to swim under ice and nearly die just to achieve a world record. I mean, hats off to her. That's just unreal. And after watching the documentary on the ultramarathon man, you see the discomfort, you see the pain, and he still did it. So there's a point to doing it is what I'm getting at. And that point is extremely personal to the individual which is what drives them to continue doing it and to get that end result. Life coaching is the same, by the way. Sometimes, most times, seeing a coach can be uncomfortable. If you resist seeing a coach, but you're curious enough to listen to me right now, then I'll tell you with flat out honesty, my guess is that you want and need to see a life coach. It's calling you, but you're wondering whether the outcome you'll get will be worth going through the discomfort for. And that discomfort could be a multitude of things. It could be price. It could be, it could be the person, the coach that you get, getting the right coach or the wrong coach. It could be the process. It could be, yeah, spiritual, intellectual, emotional, physical. You just, you, there's so many factors. But again, they're individual to you. But when the outcome means enough to us, we can see and put trust in the vehicle that will help us get there we will be able to persist with the discomfort required to achieve that outcome. As we get older, there is so much more responsibility and consequence associated with everything we do. And I never knew this until firstly, I started dating a wonderful, wonderful guy, Damien. And then secondly, we bought a house. And thirdly, we had kids. And I've listed them in that order because that's how it went chronologically in my life. As those responsibilities that I'm talking about, you know, the ones that increase... They impact our ability to pivot in our lives. Sometimes it feels as though it restricts, right? So I've always found great empowerment in owning a passport. It means that at any time I can rock up to an airport, buy a ticket to wherever I want to go and I can fly away. Planned or unplanned, I have the choice and the choice is what gives me the empowerment. And I've always loved the feeling of knowing I can do that if I wanted to. 
But now in my life, while I could do it, there are other people to consider. And that's the impacted ability to pivot in my life that I'm talking about. Whether you have responsibilities that actually impact you or not is entirely up to you. But if you take a big career risk and lose, it's a very different situation when you're on your own and can rebuild compared with living with a partner in a house you're paying a mortgage on while raising a family. Financially and emotionally, you're in very different places in those two scenarios. And while you can still be footloose and fancy free, if you do it with a family, you have other people to consider. So that's just what I mean when I say that it becomes somewhat restricted if you let it. Anything's possible, but it can take more consideration than what it did you know, in previous seasons of life. What I've found personally and also with clients I've coached is that as we work our way up the corporate ladder or go through seasons of life, you know, life gets a little bit more restricted because we want to do the right thing by those we love and are responsible for looking after, whether that be relationships, family, assets, our job, etc. But we prioritize less and less time for doing the things we love just for the sake of it. A client I've worked with on and off for a long time loves to travel. It's her absolute buzz. But then COVID struck and she got stuck into her job initially as a distraction more than anything and adjusted to working from home and she didn't travel because she couldn't. But in a coaching session with me recently, it was uncovered that she hadn't replaced the lack of travel with anything else in her life. She hadn't identified the gaping hole labelled freedom or acceleration or adventure in her life that had been taken away because of the inability to travel during the height of the pandemic. To be clear, it wasn't the travelling that she missed, although she attributed it to travelling. The travelling was the vehicle. The thing she missed was the feelings that travelling gave her. A new perspective, freedom of choice, adventure, spontaneity, newness, access to different food, culture, places, exploration, and how all of that made her feel. In her words, alive and excited. That was what she missed. And a prolonged period with that missing meant a deterioration in her mental and emotional health. She used to travel to feel those things. Travelling gave her those things. But that didn't mean that other things wouldn't enable her to feel those things. Travelling had just become the most obvious and most easiest way to access how she wanted to feel. When we dug a little deeper, she spoke about how as a child she loved to do pottery at school. Working with clay and the kiln and then painting. She also spoke about how much she loved to cook but then she had the time with a new job and as we've identified as life gets busier you know she'd stopped exploring different cuisines to cook and because she got that fix from traveling and tasting different foods as she explored the different countries she'd stopped cooking so much herself so while taking a few pottery classes and spending more time in the kitchen may not replace the emotional momentum that she received from traveling it will fill some of those gaps with other things freedom of choice, creativity, you know, adventure because it's something that she desires to do and lacks prescription or the pressure 
that comes from other sectors of her life like a job or a relationship or you know other things that there are expectations around. Doing these new things may even address new needs that she didn't know she needed fulfilling. So it's just a matter of trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. When did you last do something that you love just for the sake of doing it? Not because you wanted to excel at it or because it served a purpose other than making you feel free or feel great because you were expanding to achieve something new. Whether that's even just standing up on a surfboard or whether that's finishing a marathon. If you're having trouble identifying when you've ever done anything just to feel free or spontaneous or just because, consider what you loved doing as a child. Did you enjoy riding a bike? When was the last time you rode a bike? I know when I was traveling around Amsterdam, I got on a bike for the first time in like 15 years. I absolutely loved it. Terrified and very sore, but loved it. And when I moved back to Melbourne, there were so many people using bikes as a commute I did the same and I loved it. When was the last time you baked cookies? How about drawing or cross-stitch or playing soccer? If you were to schedule time in your busy life to do this, how much time could you spare? Would it be worth it? What are the benefits? How would it make you feel and what impact on your life would it have? I think it would be profound. I know from personal experience, doing things I love just for the sake of it make me happier, make me healthier and make me far more pleasant to be around. (laughs) Thoughts to think about, my friends. Have a great week. I'll see you then. Hey, before you go, I always find reviews really helpful when looking for new information or insights. If you found this podcast valuable, please take a minute to write a quick review about what you found most beneficial so that other people can benefit from your insights and have a listen as well. I would love that. Also, if there are any topics you want me to cover specifically about life coaching or the life coaching industry, visit rhiannonbush.com to contact me. Thanks for joining and I'll see you in the next episode of the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast.